Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 14th of March 2013. For newcomers, as always, make good use of the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com and help yourself to the information there. Lots of audios for free download and you'll find the sites listed on the com site uh, all have transcripts too in English for print up. Uh, for a lot of the talks I've given, not all of them, but uh, quite a lot of them. And you can also go into alanwattsentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, that you are the audience that bring me to you. And uh, I don't bring on advertisers as guests and so on. I don't push products to save your lives or make you live till you're 500 years old or whatever. I just tell you that what's happening in the world, why it's working the way it is, why things are going the way they go. Because you find you're living through a big system, a big system with lots of planning at the top, like a, a pyramid, basically, with a capstone at the top. And a need-to-know basis, too, for all the layers all down to the bottom. And if you look at the dollar bill, for instance, they always have that uh, same old pyramid there, very ancient symbol, of course. And you see the grass growing around about it, like weeds. And that's what they actually say, that the weeds are the general population. Because all those who are higher up, you see, above the rest of the population, live off of the population. And as as Manly P. Hall and others talked about, too, uh, that basically this is the law of nature. This is what they really believe in the top. And they call themselves pragmatics, very pragmatic people, and, uh, and therefore it's the right to do so. And that's how the world is really structured. The whole con is to make people believe they're free, to believe they have a, even a whole lot of evidence points against it when you look around you and read the daily papers. And, um, and the fact is, too, you find the big boys to teach you to love your servitude as well. There are many techniques of, of doing that, too. They always pick the youth, of course. Youth is very easy to bring in because they're very idealistic, and you can go for idealism and create new forms for the next generation through the youth. And that's been done with every tyrant down through history. still happening today, of course. So anyway, help yourself to that, find out what's happening, and you can support me by buying the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. And remember, always from the U.S. to Canada, you can still use personal checks, and you can use international postal money orders from the post office from the U.S., and you can also send cash or use PayPal. And across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are seriously welcome, because I said I don't ask for income from anywhere else. And... Years ago, I, I thought about coming out to, to tell the people what was really going on, what I'd studied basically for many, many, many years. And because I knew from a very early age, with good libraries in, in Scotland, actually, uh, with all of the big players at the time who were designing the future. And they, they, they gave their books out there. They worked in think tanks. They had obviously a, a very high authority to, to work in international think tanks to plan the future, not, not like a, uh, some sort of happy Christmas wish list. They actually did it on, on authority from a very high source, obviously. So I knew that governments were really much lower down on the scale of things than whatever run in the world. And that truly is the way it is. You'll find the big foundations, private foundations, 
disguised as charitable foundations uh, who run the biggest think tanks on the planet and uh, early fronts for the international bankers, their tax-free foundations. Uh, these guys who hire the NGOs, uh, who, who create massive lobby groups, full-time paid lobby groups, uh, working for these foundations who lobby governments to get uh, agendas through, they run the world. And they actually call it the parallel governments. Many of the big players themselves have called it that too in the past, including Margaret Thatcher, who said that when she retired, she says she, she joined it. And she says, we don't retire when we leave as prime ministers or presidents either. She says, because we all know each other, we know the high bureaucrats, how things work in the world, and we can get things done quietly behind the scenes without being responsible to the public. They're the doers for the big plan. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix. I've mentioned for years that the big boys, of course, even though they bypass democracy when it suits them, of course, but what is democracy anyway? I mean, much input do the public have on anything? I know in Canada, and even in the local governments in Canada, uh, even in Sudbury, not far from where I am, uh, one of the, the, the people who questioned the elections one year, uh, right, go right into Ottawa and he asked him, well, what is democracy? He was complaining about a guy, a local candidate in Sudbury. And uh, they were told that, that, that democracy is the right for people to vote someone in. What, when they get in, it doesn't matter what to do. It doesn't matter what they do at all. You can't recall them either. They can do whatever they want. So the only duty you have if you live in a so-called democratic society is to vote for somebody. Now, it's quite easy once you have uh, all the somebodies belonging to certain groups and parties especially. It's a bit of a joke because someone who wants to climb the ladder wants to look at the smell of the wind, basically, and they'll, they'll know who's going to get in next, depending on how, how unpopular the present party happens to be. And so they know which way the wind goes, and if they have the right contacts, you will get up there. And you've got to be a bit psychopathic anyway to be a politician, a salesman, really, a salesman's attitude. And, and lies must come easily to you, and you must be able to always put a smiling face on whatever you're saying, no matter what it is, and talk round subjects rather than at subjects or about subjects. So the world you live in is, is again, is, is a manipulated managed system, really. And the general population are give, given very little uh, attention at all. You're given more propaganda, in fact, to keep you happy and out of things. Most of the people are really oblivious to what's happening in the world. They have been trained to sort of leave it to the, the better people above them. That's how they think of them. There's, there's a special, better people. They come out of special wombs. And things just get done, and uh, and they can play. The whole thing is about getting by, paying your rent or your mortgage or whatever, and getting by month per month and playing as much as you can. Psychiatry will back that up because psychiatry was invented actually to to be part of the system and to and bring in a so-called expert opinion on what's normal, what isn't normal, and so on down the road for political purposes, which is getting used now because now you're getting labelled: Are you normal politically? Uh, if you have abnormal ideas politically, or and all this kind of stuff, you're getting categorised. We're all being categorised all the time. So anyway, we're heavily manipulated at the bottom level. And even with the internet too, years ago I mentioned articles where they said 
that the internet wouldn't really emancipate people. It, they could be used certainly uh, by the big boys themselves, who naturally have more control over the internet, since they can put up as many sites as they want, as much money behind them as they want to get as many viewers or listeners as they want to push particular agendas, because that's how the people are. are. They're already trained to the, the biggest must be the best, just like television. And so it's easier for them to get things moving, and even their color revolutions, and now, of course, with their cell phones and everything else too, and their tweeting, etc., all of that's been used by the big boys for their own advantage. So we're, we're very easy to manipulate at the bottom level, because most folk, and it's not their fault, they've, been, they've not been trained. In fact, they've been, they've been really um, crippled, in a sense, by the educational system and the general schooling, uh, to not to think or reason for themselves. In fact, that's imperative that you stop thinking for yourselves and just accept things uh, by authority. Whatever they say, the school teacher's an authority figure. Believe what they say, parrot what they say, and you'll get on in life. And, and then you're okay, you're normal, then you see, that's it. Whereas in the very elite private schools, it's the opposite. You're encouraged to reason. You're encouraged to, to argue, in fact, on, on, on the basis of reason and rhetoric. And, of course, uh, that's why they've got a different um, agenda for those people in the, the higher schools. It's very, very simple. And I'm not just making this up. This is all in their own books, in fact. Many of them have talked about it themselves and written their biographies, and etc. I'm talking about the big power players themselves. But this, this agenda, uh, even with the sham democracy that we have, I mean, how can you have democracy when all the major things that have happened, even in your own lifetime, like uh, taking all of your industry to China, uh, did they ever ask any of the peoples if they wanted that to happen? Of course not. Governments, one after the other, signed integrating uh, deals with the GATT Treaty, uh, again, treating a private group, uh, the General Agreement Trade and Tariffs, and uh, for the work with the World Trade Organization, uh, again, something the public hadn't even heard of, and weren't told of until it was all done. And that allowed uh, your companies to not just gamp and go. Uh, they'd actually agreed through all these agreements over the many years that when it happened, the taxpayers would fund all those factories to, to move so the corporations was, wouldn't lose any money. And would also pay for their, for their setup and any losses incurred for the first 10 to 15 years. So, uh, as I say, that's democracy for you. For other folk, of course, in the far left, you think democracy is more and more government, more and more programs, more and more welfare, and, and, and so on. They never push for more jobs. Isn't that weird? You know? And, of course, they know that, too, because they're controlled just as, like the right wing is, too, by the same bunch. One group rules them all. But, again, at this stage, democracy is still a bit of a nuisance at times when the governments are so overt in what they do when they must keep up the facade that there is such a thing as democracy. And they've complained about it many, many times, especially uh, in the U.S., because the U.S. is a different system than most other countries. Most other countries uh, copied the British system because they were part of the old British Empire. They still are, actually. Whereas in the U.S., of course, there was a, a separation of the powers of, and divisions of government and a sort of check and balances. It doesn't work that well nowadays because... You, you, once again, you have cliques or groups or private organizations within government, and the Council on Foreign Relations admits that, at least their, whole, their own historian did, Carol Quigley, that they put the presidents and prime ministers in different countries, and they put the high bureaucrats in too. 
in all governments. So uh, you have these cliques who have a different agenda than, than the electorate even know about. But in other words, they want to bring it more like Britain, though. Where Britain, I mean, Britain's still under royalty. Everybody who works for government in Britain or any British institution, even the postman and the police and the military, swear to the Queen, not to the people of Britain or to the British government. So they still call it a democracy. So it's all farce, you see. Anyway, it says here, Bill Gates, I wish Obama had more power, he says. Now, this, this is the idea that talked about in different foundations. Uh, many of the big clubs and, and foundations have talked about giving more power to expert authorities to run the world, to bypass democracy. And the idea was to use philanthropists. And that articles too, by the big foundations themselves, put out the Rockefeller Foundation and so on, that they should take, participate more in world governance, you see, experts and philanthropists. And the rich men who'd already made it, you see. So here it comes, and Bill Gates says, I wish Obama had more power. And it says, um, he bemoans the fact that there isn't enough power in the U.S. presidency and wishes it were more like the U.K. And it says, um, um, is one of the quotes, one of the many lovely things about engineers is that they like to get things done. Bill Gates is an ex- excellent example. You might all, not always like to, uh, how he gets things done or even uh, what gets done, but done it gets. The lack of ability to get things done is one of the Microsoft chairman's greatest frustrations. He expressed this quite eloquently yesterday when being interviewed at Politico's Playbook Cocktails event. This is indeed, as a Daily Caller reports, he said that he sympathized with President Obama for having to work with some of the half-wits in Congress. And uh, he says it doesn't, he didn't put it quite like that, he says, but um Refusing to answer who his favorite president was Gates' adventure, you don't run a business like this. So, see, these guys see the country collectively and all the businesses as one big business. And I've said that before. That's how they've always seen it. That's what your tax, your tax boys run it too. Collectively, it's all one big business. It says he also added that he wished that President Obama had the kind of power that Gates had at Microsoft. He said, right now it feels like I wish there was slightly more power in the presidency to voice some of these deadlocks. So I think uh, what he, Obama, wants to do and what he's actually able to do, uh, the gap is so big that it's hard to know in some ways. He's, uh, so he's been he's kind of obfuscating some of the things here, but the fact is he wants them to have more power and just get things done by, I guess, executive order, in other words. And, and maybe even change some, some laws so that he can take more power for himself. He says, if, he says, some days I wish we had a system at the UK where, you know, the party in power could uh, do a lot and, you know, you'd see how it went, so, and then, fine, you could unelect them. But what he doesn't mention, of course, in the British system is I have never seen a party in Britain that's come in and changed anything major, and then the next party, their opposite party, comes in and tosses it all out. They keep it going. Whatever was changed, they keep going. Because it's all a joke. It's all a joke, folks. So, but this is, this is, um, as I'm saying, uh, what they're really pushing for in the States now, too. Now, and it's also in the political, and uh, the Daily Caller as well, the same articles. I'll put them all up tonight at, at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. But, uh, that's what they're pushing for, as I say. And also this one here.
There's a video with it too, I'll put that too so you can hear what actually said himself. But remember too that the philanthropists really do believe they have the right to interfere in world governmental policies. Because they, they know there's a world government of, of a sort and their foundations all interconnect together to make it happen. I mean, this guy's all over the planet giving out or funding all these um, uh, special health care for women. We, we know what that means. And also uh, and, uh, vaccinations for children all over the place. And actually it's up there on YouTube saying that uh, these vaccinations will help reduce the population. I mean, what does that mean? Is that making folk healthier? Well, they're certainly getting some agenda done. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back. We're cutting through the matrix. Also too, since again 9-11 in 2001, we've had so many changes in society that people can't even keep up. Most have adapted to them gradually, or some even quickly in fact, and got along with everything. They think it's all quite natural now that there's no real privacy anymore. That, that, that is reinforced by the internet and all the laws that pushed out there too, telling you frequently that all your data has been collected and everything that you do. So people are being trained constantly and it's all been reinforced. And even the articles about further intrusion, I mean, how far can you go when they're already doing it all? So we understand when they keep telling you more and more intrusion, there's not more at all that they're just reinforcing to make sure you subconsciously get the point that everything you do is being monitored and you're accepting it. See, the whole point is legally you're accepting it. And that's, that is an agreement legally, uh, if there's no comeback from you on anything. So the public agree to the changes. That's how the historians will write it down too. Uh, the public accepted the changes and um, there was no outcry, etc., etc., etc. But part of it too is to re- reform uh, e- even the general media. Now the media, as always, has been part of the big system. Of course it has. And they've always gone along with certain laws and plans in, in the past anyway. To, especially in times of war and what they can report, what they can't report. And they've all been used for propaganda purposes too. But we also have uh, the Council on Foreign Relations that admits that uh, all through the U.S. and Britain and other countries now too, they pretty well own the media. All the, the, the top reporters on television and in newspapers are all members. They've all been asked to be members. You can't just go and join it. And the editors and owners, too, are members as well. So they have their own rules and regulations in this organization, in this private organization, and they decide what you're going to be told or not. But they can still, once in a while, have a little dig at some somebody they don't like so much. But that's all changed now, too. I've mentioned it, too, that Britain and Australia have now put forth laws, they're into law now, on reforming the media on what they can say, what they can't say, and so on. In other words, complete censorship for the occasional, I guess for the free papers that are out there that don't come under all the regular rules of the big boys. Anyway, this one's from Australia. It says, media giants are divided over the law reform plan. I'll put that up tonight, so I won't bother reading it on the air because I've read something similar before. But uh, it's amazing how it all works together at the same time in different countries, doesn't it? It shows you the power of, of um, coordination 
what if you own a big corporation that runs the world, doesn't it? Because everything happens that way. All the laws that are passed, you'll find in your own countries are passed in every other country at the same time. And I saw that years ago when I traveled across Europe. And each country you went to, you'd find, my God, they're passing the same laws as Britain did and France did and, and Norway did and Sweden did at the same time. But no country tells you that everybody else is passing that same law at the same time. So you think it's just your national government that's doing it. It's been that for a long, long time. And I go the United Nations, too, is one of the biggest organizations uh, that passes or actually puts the laws on the they draft them up and just hand them to the governments to sign. The same as the private organizations. And by the way, the UN is a private organization, for those who don't know it. The Council on Foreign Relations is a private organization. The Royal Institute for International Affairs is a private organization. Private, completely private. And they all are. And so is the Gates Foundation, by the way. And here they are going to countries deciding, you know, basically uh, how to bring the populations down uh, and, and so on. Think about that. So anyway, uh, as I say, your media isn't going to help him, I'm afraid, because they'll give you lots of stuff, too. They'll make you say, oh, that's terrible, that's terrible, that's bad, that shouldn't be happening. Emotive things to get you worked up. But really, you can't do anything about but they don't tell you anything, the nitty-gritty stuff of, of what's really behind anything, what the big long-time agenda is, what the goals are, who's involved, and so on. And all the time, someone at the top falls from grace is when they haven't been paying their dues to the big club that they belong to. Well, that's what it is. And this article, too, is to do with uh, how the movies work. I mean... <laughs> They used to, in Britain, play old, old American reruns, sometimes 10, 15, 20 years uh, out of date, basically. But they used to do a series called Get Smart. It was a comedy with the CIA. And uh, even then, they showed you the hand printing to get into into uh, buildings and so on, with the hand scanners and eye scanners and so on, and fingerprint scanners. And and then, since then, of course, been many, many movies where they've actually saw, seen if some people take... Um, Prints off of people's drinking glasses, make, make up uh, uh, ones with plastic and so on, and use them to take access. Well, Brazilian doctor used fake fingers made of silicone to sign in absent colleagues in a ghost worker scam. So apparently she had all these spear fingers when she was caught. They're all plastic ones with the fingerprints. And she covered for about six guys who didn't bother turning up most of the time. I guess she got paid for it too. But she took the she took the heat as well. But it just shows you this sort of thing. It doesn't matter what they make, you see, at this level. It's, it's, it's not necessary. They know that all this stuff is getting you used to the idea that eventually, obviously, they're going to chip you. That's what they're going to tell you. Well, see, everything else can be faked. You can get a contact tie that will change your iris and scan and a whole bit. And somebody else's contact, you know, or, or, or something taken from their eye, basically. And copied. You'll even find opticians will be scanning that too and photographing this stuff too, making a killing off it if they're not doing it already. And making contacts for other people to use. So they'll have to, oh, we'll have to put a, a plan to you. That's what all these articles are for. That's the only purpose for them. It's not just trivia. Most of them are just trivia. But it's also to be reinforced they're going to have to. Well, what else can they do? Gotta be safe. Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. 
Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix now. The media, as I say, spins things and it's quite safe to put little exposes like this about Dick Cheney out. They don't really care and of course there's no harm to Cheney whatsoever. But this is from the Times and it says, it says Dick Cheney, the architect of the Iraq war, which is not true. He wasn't the architect of it at all because the, the, the PNAC group uh, had talked about it in the early 90s and published articles twice in the 90s about the list of countries they wanted to take out. And we know what the neocons were, of course, they were all neocons, meaning that they, they basically had allegiance to another country. But anyway, this is their spiel here, and it says, has used the 10th anniversary of the start of the conflict to defend the invasion. And it says, um, and he also it has no, he says he's a, the architect of America's misuse of intelligence, news of torture techniques. This is President Bush's vice president, who was the most hawkish advocate of an attack on Saddam Hussein. He wasn't just the only one. It was Wolf of Wits, it was all the different ones in, the, in that same group. And I see, and other guys too, who had dual citizenship in other countries, wanted this country taken out. I see, it still stands by some of the most discredited evidence used to go to war, which featured in the British government's dodgy dossier, it's called. And reflecting on the heavy cost and consequences of the invasion, he insists, if I had to do it all over again, I'll do it in a minute. Well, that's exactly what Tony Blair said, too. It also came out today that Tony Blair uh, and, um, of course, Bush had met long before uh, the Iraq invasion and discussed it and so on. Uh, and there was even an article came out today, I won't even put it up because it's so disgusting, by Richard Haas from the Council on Foreign Relations saying that he, th- he, think, he, now th- he thinks that the, the Iraq war could have been a mistake, but he understands why the U.S. had to do it. It says they had to do it to show the world uh, uh, that um, they weren't powerless anymore. Uh, and to force dem- democracy on other countries. So they used Iraq, basically, uh, um, and just, just, well, just blew them up just to teach all the rest of the world a lesson, the ones that weren't democratic. I mean, basically, that's what you said. It's all hogwash, because they were all part of it at the time. They all want, they're all in it, what, what we're doing it for, too. So anyway, I'll put this article up tonight, too. It's not very long. It's not really worth mentioning, but... And this article is from Washington's blog. It goes on to say, um, in a documentary soon to appear on Showtime, the world, according to Dick Cheney, Cheney said, I got on the telephone with the president who was in Florida and told him not to be at one location where we could both be taken out, he says. This is when it happened, 9-11. Mr. Cheney kept W flying aimlessly in the air on 9-11 while he and Lynn left on a helicopter for a secure undisclosed location, leaving Washington in a bleak, scared silence with no one reassuring the nation in those first terrifying hours. This is his, his, his story, which is nonsense. He said, I gave them instructions that we'd authorized our pilots to take it out, he said, referring to the jet headed to Washington that crashed in a Pennsylvania field. He adds, after I'd given the order, it was pretty quiet. Everybody heard it, and it was obviously a significant moment. In other words, Cheney pretended that Bush had authorized a shoot-down order, but Cheney now admits that he never did. In fact, Cheney acted as if he was the president on 9-11. Well, looking at George Bush, I guess somebody had to. Hey? Cheney lied about... New- oh, what do you think they put him in the front mountain position for? Him, of all people. Cheney lied about numerous other facts related to 9-11 as well. For example, Cheney falsely linked Iraq with 9-11, and it's true. This is indeed the entire torture program was aimed at establishing such a false linkage, and Cheney is the guy who pushed for torture, pressured the Justice Department lawyers to write memos saying torture was legal, 
and made the pitch to Congress justifying the torture. The former director of the CIA said Cheney uh, of overseeing American torture policies. He was overseeing it. Foster claimed, too, that spying on Americans' torture, the Patriots Act, the Afghanistan war, the Iraq war, and the war on terror were all necessitated by 9-11, when all of them started or were planned before 9-11. And they were. In the 90s, they were planned by the U.S., by the PNAC group. Foster stated that an attack such as 9-11 was an unforeseeable event, when Al-Qaeda flying planes in the World Trade Center and Pentagon was something which American military intelligence services and their allies knew could happen. So it wasn't unforeseen at all. They'd already covered every possible scenario that could possibly ever happen, basically. Foster pretended that he was out of the loop during the 9-11 attacks and uh, falsely blamed others for 9-11 when Cheney was in charge of all American counterterrorism exercises, activities and responses on 9-11. And it's got a link here. It says, see this Department of State announcement and the CNN article. See, the constant liars. What gets me is the mainstream, like the Times and all the rest of them, don't mention any of this stuff, even though they printed it all before at the time. See, see, reality is constantly being changed. Constantly being changed. Uh, nowadays, they do it very quickly. They can do it within months or, or a year. And this is years later. They're still changing it all. And, of course, these heads will never roll uh, for any of the stuff that they're doing. The governments and private... Remember, the PNAC group is a private group who all ended up in government. Right at the top of government, of a whole nation like the military of, of the U.S. I mean, that's a powerful private group to get in there, isn't it? Under the neocons. <laughs> uh, the biggest military in the planet... And here's their whole agenda already mapped out. They'd published it many years before. That's astonishing this can happen. And the media is quiet about it. Now, also, back in the 90s, every government in the world got together in France to sign an agreement, and every country had sent bureaucrats over. For, uh, they were there for maybe one or two years hammering out the deals, to do with foreign investment for the, under the, the GATT and, and uh, the treaties and so on, so that private companies can come into any other country, uh, which before was taboo. It couldn't be done that way. Uh, num- number one, if you're a country and a nation, you're supposed to take care, number one, of your, of your own people. That was always what national countries were about, having a nation in the first place. Food security was a priority. So the, the, the governments would get involved and would, would stop exporting lots of grain, for instance, when there wasn't going to be enough at home or if it was going to cost too much price increases back home. Well, that's all gone now because everything's global, you see, for these free trade deals. So in France, they signed all these deals. And also, if a country wants to come into your country, any country at all, and set up whatever kind of organization, can bring in their own workers, as we're seeing that across the world now. And they can, they can, so you can't forbid that. If you try and forbid them bringing in their own workers, they can sue the nation. It's already happened in other countries too, where they've been sued, successfully sued, and the taxpayer ends up paying the massive fines. And they can also bring in workers and, and hire local workers, and they want to eventually, according to this treaty, uh, pay your workers in your country the equivalent wages what they get paid back in their old countries, like say India or China. 
And if you complain about that, because that's, that's way below your minimum wage, they'll sue you again, and they will win through, through the World Trade Organization. It's all been signed. So technically you have no nations anymore, except for the reasons to be taxed upon. That's the only purpose of having it anymore, if you haven't figured it out. And it says here, and eventually that's going to go global too. But it says, um, Los Angeles is the N Group Company Limited, one of China's largest private companies. Now, how come China's got a large private company? How private can it be when China is still marked down as communist and it's the People's Republic of China, which supposedly owns all the businesses in China? It says, quietly rolling out plans to establish a network of natural gas fueling stations for trucks along the U.S. highways. Now, the U.S. is fracking all over its own land now. And for years, they've been pushing for fracking, which people really didn't want, because eventually it does pollute the land. There's no doubt about it in the ground. And um, it's the, the land subsides, too. It starts collapsing when you create these deep caverns of nothingness under the ground. Everything collapses in and in itself, too. And then houses have to move out of the area, etc., etc. And they pump all those chemicals in too for the hydraulic fracking. And this stuff gets into all the groundwater. So anyway, the the thing is, they're fracking America, Canada. Uh, Australia's doing it. This plan into Australia to do it there. Germany's doing it. And um, even Bulgaria's got an agreement to do it. Everybody's going to go fracking, you see. And... um, the whole idea is that they're pushing it when they're pushing it for years. They get the public won over. They said, well, you see, we have to be sustainable. Canada has to be sustainable. America has to be sustainable, self-sustainable. And I mentioned last month or so the article, well, now that they're getting that out of the ground in the U.S. and getting public money thrown at it so that America can have its own private gas, you see, for its own people. Now they're exporting it to India, right? Well, this one's about China, you see. And it says China's largest private company is quietly rolling out plans to establish a network of natural gas fueling stations for trucks along the U.S. highways. It says with plans to build 50 stations this year alone, N joins a small but formidable group of players including Clean Energy Fuels Corps and Dutch, Royal Dutch Shell. Uh, it says in an aggressive push to develop an infrastructure for heavy-duty trucks fueled by cheap and abundant natural gas. Clean Energies is backed by T. Boone Pickens and Chesapeake Energy Corporation. The move is yet another example of China's ambition to grip a piece of the U.S. shale gas boom. Just last month, the Sinopec Group said it would pay $1 billion for some of Chesapeake's oil and gas properties in the Mississippi Lime Shale. The natural gas bounty is also expected to help wean the U.S. transport industry of its dependence on diesel fuel made from imported crude oil. And the trucking industry is in a big push to use more of the domestically produced fuel. But they're also exporting it abroad as well. So eventually, if the whole thing was, we're going to run out of oil, we're going to run out of oil, got to be self-sufficient, why would you export anything out of the country? Huh? And to foreigners too. And let foreigners run all. <laughs> we're global, sorry, we're all global now, you see, we're all one one big happy world with very rich folk in, across the world running everything now. 
says so nearly half the garbage trucks uh, sold in the U.S. last year run on natural gas. They're able to refuel at dedicated stations at their home bases to convince the far larger market for long-haul trucking to run the natural gas. Truckers need to know they can refuel along their highway routes. And, of course, they give them a couple of bucks off a gallon to start it, which will go up and up as it gets more popular. It's all worked out that way. Now, as I've mentioned before, that uh, the, the Royal Institute for International Affairs they wanted to bring in an expertly run worlds by people who are already incredibly rich, and the richest people on the planet, and they should be the natural ones to rule the world since we're already stinking rich. Uh, but unprovided member, uh, the ones at the top, had, had shown that they've it held on to power and wealth through their families for quite a few generations. That was a stipulation. And um, they also said that through the creation of private central banks, they would unify them. Uh, under uh, a super union, basically. And this super union would then work with, with an international monetary fund, which they also set up. But the super union would be under the Bank for International Settlements in Switzerland. This has all happened. This is how it's working today. Now, if you really have separate countries and all the rest of it, why would you get the World Bank? If you looked up to see what the World Bank is, it says that the global growth is to remain tepid until 2015, says the World Bank. Well, the World Bank works with the Bank for International Settlements, and they decide on, on all the currency exchanges and all the rest of it, and they decide, too, who they're going to give loans to and who they're not going to give loans to, you see, from the Bank for International Settlements and the International Monetary Fund. They decide who's going to live and who's going to die, who's going to prosper and who's going to get poor. This is what they do. So, so much of free competition and all the rest of it. The whole thing is controlled now. Exactly as they said a hundred years ago they do. Before they set up these particular banks. Now, we all pay money into the World Bank. Your government signed deals with the United Nations to throw money at the World Bank just to be members. And they can demand on you how much they need or want from you, even if you're going to get nothing back. But they still classify it, classify as a private bank. What a con that is, eh? So it says here, yep, global growth will not get seriously underway until 2015, with industrialized countries stagnant until then. Well, which ones are the industrialized countries? It says the bank's chief economist, uh, Koshik Basu, said Tuesday, there was a moral urgency for emerging countries to think of ways to keep their growth rates up. During this period of sluggish economic expansion, he said a public lecture in Johannesburg during a visit to South Africa. I do feel there will be a certain period of global slowdown up to 2015. The global recovery will be small until then, he says. His views in line with the consensus, Old Mutual Investment Corp or Group South African Economist, Jones Ells said Tuesday that loose monetary policy in many countries would not offset tight fiscal policy, keeping global growth tepid for a couple of years. Now, you've been trained to go into austerity. Uh, it's interesting we're all going to austerity at the same time. And people at the, at the World Bank and the Bank for International Settlements are the ones that seem to be in charge of forcing austerity on the whole planet. Isn't that quite interesting? They run it all. They run it all. So there you go. And this one here too. We had the Jimmy Savile scandals, of course, and the ongoing BBC scandals where they're still arresting people because the whole thing was a cesspit for years. 
and the BBC and everyone who had anything to do with BBC or, or even met in the geyser knew that was all going on for, for a long, long time. And they can't go too high in the scale because there's too many high ups in the British government retired and still there and people who are lords and all that involved in it too. But you got to wonder people as well who, who hand their children over to celebrities. I mean, they, they do. I can remember when Polanski ran off from the U.S., Roman Polanski, because uh, a woman came forward, and and I think it was Jack Nicholson had was collecting young girls uh, where they had been brought in to model or something for studios, and he'd convinced their mothers to let them take them for a ride. He'd take them to, to, to Polanski's home, and he'd get them in the bath and, of course, rape them. Polanski would, that is. And these mums just hand their children over to famous faces, and they're, they're on all these faces, and like it was a natural thing to do, you know. Well, here's one. Internationally acclaimed artists sexually abused young girls in the 90s after blindfolding them. Where did they get these young girls, eh? It says here, a famous artist sexually abused young girls after blindfolding them and dressing them in Victorian-style 90s. A jury here today, Graham Ovenden, 70 years old, is accused of offences under four children aged from 6 to 14, who posed for him between 1972 and 1985. His work includes nude and semi-nude portraits of young girls. Who in their right mind is going to hand over their children aged 6 to 14 to this guy? I mean, what's wrong with them? I'm talking about the parents. You know what I'm saying? What happened to society? Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and also to do with corruption. Corruption is normal now, it's normalized in society. It's probably always been there to some degree or another, but it's much, much worse today because everyone's awfully greedy and you have the me, me generation that are now up there uh, helping me sort of thing, that's themselves. And we see articles all the time about, um, like this ex-Detroit mayor convicted of corruption after he stole nearly a million dollars and spent cash from charity for needy city residents on yoga lessons, golf clubs and travel. Kwame Kilpatrick has been convicted of corruption charges today after a five-month trial, it says. And he rigged contracts, and they'll do that to the top because they can get all the city contracts or state contracts go through their hands, and it's always kickbacks and so on for getting contracts. They all do that throughout the cameras had the same problem. And that's normal today. That's the way things are. And then you get this one here. <laughs> this, this, the other one was peanuts. This is nearly 60 are charged in Florida gambling scandal as the lieutenant governor quits amid the probe. And Florida's lieutenant governor resigned uh, and nearly 60 other people were charged in a scandal involving a purported veterans charity. The authorities said Wednesday was a front for a $300 million gambling operation. <laughs> The organization Allied Veterans of the World runs nearly 50 internet parlors with computerized slot machine style games which are normally legal in Florida if, if, most of the, if, if most of the proceeds go to charity. But investigators said the organization's executives gave precious little to veterans and lavished millions on themselves, spending it on boats, front condos, Maseratis, Ferraris and Porsches. 
Florida Attorney General uh, Pam Bondi called the alleged scam callous and despicable and said it insults every American who ever wore a military uniform. Lieutenant Governor Jennifer Carroll was not amongst those charged but resigned a day after she was questioned by investigators. Well, I'm sure she may happen, yeah. The public relations firm she co-owned, 3N and JC, did work for St. Augustine-based Allied Veterans, a Navy veteran who served in the Gulf War. Carl also appeared in a TV ad in 2011 promoting the organization's work on behalf of veterans and their families. Authorities refused to discuss any ties between the 53-year-old Republican and investigation. Her aides had no comment. Carol said in a statement Wednesday that neither she nor the public relations firm was targeted in the probe, and she stepped down so that her ties to the organization would not be a distraction for Republican Governor Rick Scott's administration. In other words, a deal has been reached. The investigation involved 57 arrest warrants and 54 search warrants issued in Florida and five other states, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Nevada, and Pennsylvania. As of midday, 49 people have been arrested. Allied veterans' 49 parlors in Florida were raided and shut down. Authorities said they seized about 300 bank accounts containing 64.7 million, as well as sports cars and other property. Bondi said that when charges are formally filed next week, they'll include racketeering, conspiracy, money laundering, and possession of slot machines. This is a shameful that allied veterans of the world allegedly attempted to use the guise of a charitable organization to help veterans in order to lend credibility to this $300 million gambling scheme, she said. As a number, a number of telephones listed, to, listed for the allied veterans was disconnected. Uh, emails to the address on the group's website were not returned. Gerald Bailey, Commissioner of Florida's Department of Law Enforcement, said the arrests are only the first wave of the investigation. The second wave will look at the large sums of money spent on lobbying and donations to political campaigns to pay everybody off, cops, you name it. Everybody's on the take. Everybody's on the take, folks. It's it's worse than the Soviet system is where it used to be, and modern Russia is. That's the way it's all going in this uh, modern... uh, Moral relativity, uh, atheistic society. From Hamish Myself, Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your God's go with you. <laughs>